It's Fire Away Friday. Fire Away Friday. On Exploring the Word, this is your chance to ask us your Bible question. You can email your question at word at AFR.net or visit Facebook.com slash Exploring the Word. Exploring the Word. It's Fire Away Friday on American Family Radio. Good afternoon and welcome. I'm Jim Stanley in studio today with Dr. Alex McFarland and Brother Bert Harper. And I have to tell you, I'm excited about being in studio with you guys because we do this all the time. Most of the time, you're in North Carolina, yeah, and you're coming in via Comrex, and so there, there's just a different level of energy when Alex is in studio. Uh, you know, Miss Jan will text Bert every now and then and tell us to calm down. Yeah, so yeah. we're we're glad you're here to be our chaperone. Yeah, there's one thing Jan does not have to tell me. Come on, get some energy, get some passion. <laughs> Before I left today, and she knew Sherathon was starting. You know, sure, she said, Bert, sure. don't. Don't don't get too excited. So it's right. hard for me not to. God, hey, when God saves somebody like me, Amen. It's something to get excited about. Well, you know, isn't this just a joyful place? Um, I've been meeting a lot of volunteers, and by the way, folks, this is a pre-recorded edition of Exploring the Word. We're going to answer a lot of your Bible questions that you send in at word at afr.net, and uh, please do because your question might become the content for a future show. And uh, but while we're recording this, Sherathon's going on, and there's volunteers from all over, and. Um, you know, God's people are a happy people, mm-hmm. aren't they? And don't, aren't you having a good time? There's just such joy in this building today, isn't there? There really is. When the is. technology works. That's right. Uh, let me just say, right. it's, been a, it's been a, a different kind of day with technology. There Every has been some technological on. challenges yeah. today. Yeah. And that's it's why not we just have Devin. The, <laughs> that's right. It's not just the space between my ears this time. <laughs> oh. so, well, we that are is, gonna, That's the battleground. That's right. We are going to—and by the way, folks— uh, for everyone who has participated in our share we are beyond grateful. Hallelujah. We've seen another time that God has showed up and poured out his blessings through you, uh, our listeners and our partners. And so, uh, you know, guys, one thing that we're doing or have done this, this share is we're talking about folks, instead of just becoming a monthly giver, we're talking about them becoming a Great Commission partner. And the reason for that is because of our mission statement. And uh, so it's, it's just a great fit. It's not something we've ever done before. You know, we, we've always talked about folks partnering with us and doing this diff- different thing. But it, we've never really just put a handle on it, mm-hmm. if you will. And so uh, now we're, we're inviting folks to be part of our Great Commission partners. And it's just, it's really neat to see how God has shown up so far. Amen. God, it is God, great is to so look good. at that mission statement. It is to aid the church in carrying out the Great Commission at both home and abroad. Amen. And with, I just put it with exploring the word, we're on the front lines of doing that, you know? Amen. Right. And uh, so I, I praise the Lord. And because of, you know, uh, the technology of the world we were talking about, we're not just heard in the United States where the radio station is because of the podcast and the apps. Mm-hmm. We're heard all over, and we're heard around the world. Amen. And so what an opportunity. So we do say thank you for all oh, those great commission partners. partners. Amen. We're, i got to get that down, Pat. You know, it takes me a while that's to get right. something new. You know, the, the second word in our name is the word family. And right. as I travel around, and I've been so privileged to be in literally hundreds of churches over the years, and recently I was in Illinois, and before that I was in Macon, Mississippi with Bill Ross and all the dear folks at Calvary 
uh, in Macon. And then before that, I was in um, St. Louis, Missouri. It really is a family. And as I travel around and I meet people and they'll say, we listen to you and Bert on the radio, Uh, young people, college students, middle school students that listen to Exploring the Word. And, uh, Jim, people want to know, you know, what is J.J. Jasper like? Mm-hmm. And uh, Do you really it, tell them? Oh, yeah. And, um, <laughs> the Word is crazy. That's right. Yeah. But, you know, the, some pray and others give and some broadcast and go. And it's a family. It, really it is, is a joint effort to tell the world about Jesus. And if we're not doing that, then we're not fulfilling our part of the Great Commission. Mm-hmm. And so it's it's a blessing to be in a ministry that puts that first. And, and AFA really does. All right. Let's get some Bible questions. All it right. is, after all, Fire Away Friday. It is the uh, – we're taking the emails from word at AFR.net as well as some Facebook questions. And so one of the questions that I wanted to ask is you, – you guys – by the way, I'm sorry, quick squirrel, then we'll go on mm-hmm. – you you guys were asked earlier in the week if Friday was going to be a pre-record because of Sherathon. Mm-hmm. In true. case you haven't noticed us talking about Sherathon these past three days, the answer is yes. <laughs> this is a pre-record. So gotcha. yeah. send send your emails in to word at afr.net. And as Alex said earlier, you may be the content for a future program. So one of the questions that I have is what does it mean to see God's face or seek God's face when God has told us that no man can see my face and live? Mm, great question. You know, when you hear that, you know, let me say this. We saw Jesus. Mm-hmm. Jesus had to veil himself in humanity for us to look upon him. At the Mount of Transfiguration, when he, and I'm just using the word picture, pull the flesh back and let the glory come out, they bowed their heads to the ground and mm-hmm. could not look upon him. When God demonstrates this, uh, he hid uh, Moses in the cleft That's of the right. rock and passed by. We will never see him as clearly as we will in heaven one day. But we, he can veil himself enough that it can be said we seek his face. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I still think we said this in one other thing before. We seek his approval. Uh, there's just something about the approval. Uh, Israel is the apple of his eye. In other words, he loves him and demonstrates that. I think that's true with us. So it's not like, you know, look at him, you know, face to right. face. But it is a veiled face until... Mm-hmm. Then, Alex, do you agree with that? Yeah, and you know, I think this question, um, if I remember the email from the listener, comes a little bit from 2 Chronicles 7.14. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways. So I looked up the word face because it does say in Genesis 4.14 that um, you can't see my face and live. All right, but yet we're told to seek God's face. Well, the word there means visage or person. And in a way, you know, when we become a believer, we are declared righteous. Romans 4 says we're wrapped in the righteousness of Christ. In a way, if I can use a kind of a basic illustration, 
the righteousness of Jesus is like a fireproof suit. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, it's a holy proof suit in, in that we could not in our fallen human sinful state enter into the presence of, of God and his face because fallen sin, the Bible says that no man could stand. However, we can seek God's face, enter God's presence. In fact, Hebrews tells us to come boldly if we are a forgiven, born-again child of God in his righteousness. Just like um, a fireman might have fireproof gloves that enables him to get near the heat without getting destroyed. It's the righteousness of Christ that enables us, formerly unrighteous people, to enter the presence of God. Mm -hmm. We can seek the face of God because of the Son of God that's made us able to enter God's presence. All right, let me expand on this just a little, if I might. Let me just kind of open up the question a little more. Is it possible that when we see each other face to face, we see the truth You know, we talk about folks having a good poker face, you know, where they can um, kind of stymie you as to what they may or may not be thinking. But so much of the time, when we see someone face to face, we see their true visage. So as we seek the face of God and we're exploring through his Bible, like exploring the word, does that help us meet, meet what you were talking about as far as the righteousness? Does that help us as we seek the face of God? I, I think so. Um, and the way to see God, the way to know God, is through his word. You know, uh, that's why in the third century there was a Christian leader named Jerome, and he said knowledge of the Scripture is knowledge of Jesus Christ. Mm. And so if you want to know who God is, you know, obviously you need to put your faith in Jesus and be born again. But if you want to grow in the Lord and know the Lord, and frankly, the Lord be able to speak to you. I, I honestly believe knowledge of our Savior only comes through knowledge of His Word. You know, when you said that, I, uh, our, my, our oldest son, Nathan, worked with refugees from all over the world for five years over close to Atlanta. He helps me now with exploring missions. But he was talking about a lot of the people that came, especially from those Muslim-dominated countries that had come mm-hmm. as refugees, they would have a dream. And when they would tell them about Jesus, they'd say, oh, that's who I dreamed about. Now, that dream brought them to that place, but it took the word of God to bring them further in. Mm. When it talks about, you know, you, how can they hear without a preacher? It's got to be preaching the word of God. So the word of God uh, shared with them brought them in, whereas the dream brought them to to mm. that place where they could be brought in. That's and good. I think that's the face. That's the power of the Word of God that you were talking about. Mm-hmm. And trying to see God apart from Scripture, uh, you might get a little visage, but you won't get the picture. Right. You won't get the whole thing. You will not. All right, folks, this is Exploring the Word on American Family Radio. I'm Jim Stanley, along with Brother Bert Harper, Dr. Alex McFarland. By the way, earlier Alex was talking about where he had traveled recently, and you can visit alexmcfarland.com 
alexmcfarland.com, and you can see where he's going to be and also how you can bring him to your community. One other thing, he also has some excellent resources available there. Let, and me, I would, let me interrupt you and say you'll be blessed by bringing him there. Absolutely. I, you know, I've been around Alex long enough, and I'm I'm – I'm his, one of his chairman of his fan club, you know? Right. I, I think the world of him. And he's the real deal, but I'm telling he's effective on the radio. Amen. We know that. But I'm telling you, get him in person, and it jumps up, just like when he's, you know, we're broadcasting mm-hmm. and he's remote, and when he's here, the energy jumps, jumps up. up. Well, get him in the pulpit with a big old crowd out there or whatever size crowd, the energy level's reaches now, a high level as we're well. We're going to let him speak. But one of the first things he's going to say is, oh, oh no. you guys are too kind. You know? Well, so. <laughs> I do feel that way. I'm embarrassed. But, yeah, I'm excited about Jesus. And Amen. God is so good. God is so good. And and thank you, Jim. Jim Stanley, folks, you got to know, this is the dearest brother, and he is so good to me. And you always uh, direct people to the website. And so while we're at it, let me throw something out here. This is a freebie. This is a freebie. That's (laughs) right. Um, I was just this week talking to the Cove and I know this is many months away, but next year I'm going to be at the Cove again. This is the Billy Graham training center in Western North Carolina. And I've been asked, this is so exciting, at least to me, I think it is. Okay. July 8th through 10, 2022. July 8th through 10, 2022. That's our Friday, Saturday, Sunday. I'm going to be doing the book of 1 Peter. Oh, wow. Because, see, whenever you get invited to the Cove, you got to teach through the Bible. It's not topical. It's biblical. And you can go to the Cove, T-H-E-C-O-V-E, thecove.org, and I'll be there next July. Then in 2023, I'll be doing 2 Peter. All right. So, come see us at the Cove next summer. you got plenty of time to get ready. That's right. <laughs> well, folks, this is Exploring the Word, and we'll be back with more Bible questions straight ahead on AFR. Welcome back to Exploring the Word on American Family Radio. Sometimes folks say that the Bible has contradictions in it, okay? And so this question would seem like it could be a contradiction. Job cursed the day he was born. So why would God call him an upright man? Now, we think about that, and we know that God told Job to prepare himself, to be ready to give him an answer like an adult, like a man. And so we see that, but then we remember that when Satan was talking to God about Job, he said, well, that's only because you protect him. So throughout all the book of Job, we see that God never gave up on Job. But even when Job gave up on himself and cursed the day he was born, God still considered him mm. one of his guys. So how is, how is that? What, what's happening there? Well, uh, well, let me jump in here first, and thanks, Jim, for, for that question. Because the Bible does say Job was, was righteous in all of his ways. And what Job didn't realize was he was going through some tests. I counted up, Jim. There's like 17 types of trials Job went through, mm-hmm. financial trials and so many things. And 
a lot of what it was was to silence the voice of the accuser. The Bible says Satan is the accuser. Satan had said, God, Job, sure, Job praises you because you've blessed him. You let me smack him around a little bit, Mm -hmm. he'll curse you to your face. God says, I don't think so. But I do believe we have to make a difference between a moment of agony of the soul and depression and overt rejection of God. Mm. I mean, I've talked to atheists who curse the day they were born. You know, it's like Romans 9, what right does the clay have to say to the potter? What do you think you're making? You know, when Job, out of the pain and agony of his soul, said, you know, I lament the day that it was announced a man-child was born, you know, I don't think he was rejecting God or cursing uh, the fact that God had created him, I think in an extreme point of agony, he went through unimaginable pain. He was in the crosshairs of spiritual attack. He was in spiritual warfare. Now, we shouldn't curse the day that we're born because, frankly, uh, the fact that we've been given life is a great gift. Life is a gift. Um, Jim, in an earlier show, I mentioned my friend Daniel Ritchie, who was born without arms. Mm -hmm. And he talks about the fact that when he was a a high schooler, he was a bitter, angry teenager. He said that, you know, as a little bitty child, probably a toddler, one day it dawned on him all the other children had arms and he didn't. His mom and dad are devout Christians. But he said, I had a choice. He said, I realized God had given me an assignment. He said, I didn't ask for this assignment. Not everybody has this assignment. He said, I was about 15 or 16, and I realized I was born without arms. I could curse God and be angry, or I could say, God, I'm going to trust you, and I'm going to choose to give you glory. And Daniel is a radiant, incredibly fruitful minister of the gospel. Here's the thing. We've all been dealt a certain set of circumstances. And life is such a gift. I, I honestly think, because I've talked to a lot of young people, and some they'll say, well, I didn't ask to be born, you know. In a way, to curse God for giving you life, that's demonic. Hmm. I don't think Job was doing that. I think he was in a place of extreme spiritual warfare and pain and brokenness. But it's a whole different thing for when, like, an atheist literally blasphemes the moment he was born. That That's different than the agony of the soul that Job was going through. I think you hit it when you said it was a snippet in time. Yeah. You know, it was not the overall picture. Abraham, let me see. He took his wife to Egypt and lied about it, being his sister. Mm-hmm. And yet Abraham was the father of faith. <laughs> he, You know, uh, there's... A period, snippet, small time in their lives. Joseph even, uh, you know, when you think about him, uh, he didn't have very much wrong with him and have a tough time finding character flaws in him. But I see a little bit of pride in him, you know, uh, talking about the dreams and mm-hmm. you're going to bow down. People say, well, he was just telling them the way it was. Yeah, but I, I think there was some. I could be wrong. I, I look at Daniel. Uh, Daniel, I mean, you find very few things in the life of Daniel, if any, that has any of these small details of issues with him. Uh, But they're there. They're always there. Uh, So I have no trouble with Job doing that. Elijah wanted to die, 
you know? Yeah. And he appeared with Jesus at the Mount of Transfiguration, representing all the prophets. Mm-hmm. You catch it? And so with Job, uh, it was a snippet in time, and it was a tough time. How many? 17, did you say, Alex? 17 trials he went through. Okay. And some of it was his children being taken away, his wealth, mm-hmm. his health. You can just go through the list. And so, uh, yeah, there, there's times when we say, oh, Lord, I, I haven't ever said that, but I said, Lord, why am I here? Yeah. I, I have said, why, why don't, you know, why don't, you know, why don't you take me? You know, that was a small snippet in time, and I knew God had something else for me. But at that point in time, I, it would have been, you know, pleasurable to go on to be of the Lord. Yeah. Well, and I also think there's a, another thing here that plays out. Job may have cursed the day he was born, but he never quit. Mm. You know, there was there was a time of wallowing. I look, you know, you I don't have a lot of wealth, but if you take that, I'm in hard times. You take my kids, mm. harder times. Yeah. You take my wife, very you know, sad. More and so he had persevered through this, and and the reason I say that is because he didn't give up. Because God wasn't finished with him. And when we see that turning point, you mentioned the 17 tribulations that he had. What were the blessings that he had? Because he did persevere. And he did not, he may have cursed the day he was born, but he never cursed God. That's true. Well, in Job 19, and folks, this is so powerful about the book of Job. I know Bert and I have taught through this book uh, before. And this is Job didn't have the the whole big picture that you and I have. We know the tomb is empty. We know Christ will never leave us or forsake us. We know Jesus is coming back. And yet in Job 19.26, he said, I know that my Redeemer liveth, mm. and he will stand on the earth at the last day, and though worms destroy my body, in my flesh I sh- shall see God. Isn't this amazing? In Job, okay, he understood there was a Redeemer, uh, a daysman that could put his hand on both, one hand on heaven, one hand on earth. And then he said, my Redeemer lives. He's coming back. I might die. My body might decompose. But even Job somehow had some inkling that he was going to have a glorified body. Mm. He said, in my flesh, I will see God. And let me say this, and I will throw back to you guys. At Job's point of great brokenness, when he... By anguish of the soul, he was saying, you know, cursed is the day I was born. But then he turned to the one thing of hope, the person of God. Mm-hmm. And look, isn't it good? We, we could lose our money. We might even lose our health. We might even lose some loved ones. But you know what we'll never, ever lose is Jesus. And that's our rock of hope, isn't it? Amen. Guys, you said it well. You know, he came back, listened to the conclusion, sort of like Ecclesiastes when he was talking about all the things that he had tried and none of them brought fulfillment. It was all empty. And he said the conclusion is, you know, obey God and keep his commandments. You know, just fulfill that. Listen to Job's, you know, last things. This is in chapter 42. Therefore, this is what Job says, I have uttered what I did not understand. Hmm. Uh, you know, things too wonderful for me, which I did not know. Then verse 5, I have heard of you by the hearing of the ear, but now my eyes see you. Therefore, I abhor myself and repent in dust and ashes. 
And then the whole thing is, verse 16, After this, Job lived 140 years and saw his children and his grandchildren for four generations. You see, that's his whole life. Um, It's tough. If we saw David when he was with Bathsheba, Uriah, how could anybody ever believe that? How could they be the Apostle Paul, killer of people? Uh, Listen, praise God he sees us who we are and not just a part of Mm. who we are. And and what we're guilty of, guys, we're we're guilty. We see that flaw in mm-hmm. someone that kind of we have trouble with, and we major on that. And we man, that's the person it is. He may be a leader. He may be the boss. He may be someone under you. Maybe a friend, or maybe a a relative. God, I, I praise God for how mm-hmm. He looks at us. We we, we my see, Father's eyes. Amen. We we see one page. Or one paragraph, God sees the whole story. He does. And he, he, he's God. Amen. Amen. <laughs> I thank you for we that. Do, we don't have a little church here. We guys. are, we man. Keep going. I'm getting excited about it. So when we, when we see that and we reflect upon that, and again, these are some questions that have come into us. And God, you know, it's, it's interesting to see how God weaves these answers together. Yeah. Uh, you know, from, because we didn't plan this too much. I walked into the studio. I had a list of questions. As I said, okay, let's do this one and this one and this one. And you guys were like, okie doke, let's do that. And so, um, you know, having just talked about Job and him cursing himself, do we ever reach a point where temptations no longer have a hold on our life? You know, because now, and folks, I want to be very clear, to be tempted is not to sin. Yeah. You can be tempted and not sin, just like Jesus was. You know, Satan took Jesus out into the wilderness and tempted him at a time of what many would be considered weak. But Christ was strong because of the Word of God. When we, he, when when Satan said something, Jesus just came back with the Word of God. And so, do we reach a point when temptations no longer have a hold? On our lives, and this person went on to say that sometimes they feel very tempted by temptation. Or, pardon me, they feel um, very defeated by their temptations. I I believe that temptations may change with age, with maturity in the Lord. But yes, the tempter will always be there. Uh, I I've referred to this. Do not love. This is in First John. Chapter three, uh, chapter two, verse fifteen and sixteen. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, now listen to this: the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life is not of the Father, but it is of this world. The temptations uh, may have some besetting temptations that go through life and. Hopefully, you can become a person that has victory over those. The more you have victory, the greater the chances are you'll have victory even the next time. But Satan's not going to leave us alone, guys. Mm-hmm. He'll leave us for a season. Mm, yeah, He left Jesus for a season. It didn't say he left him and didn't come back after the great temptation in, yeah. the, in, you know, in, in the wilderness. After he was baptized, Satan would come back and tempt him again. You remember when Peter got on to Jesus and said, no, you can't go to Jerusalem and die. It says Peter rebuked Jesus. How do you like the nerve of that? Mm -hmm. And you remember what Jesus said? He said, get behind me, 
Satan. Yeah. I, I think the temptation was Jesus because in the in the garden when he was praying, if there be any other way, let this mm. cup pass from me. Yeah. And the Father absolutely either his silence or said, Son, there is no other way. But the temptation was there even for Jesus. So the temptation may change, but the tempter will be there. Yeah. Well, uh, and let me say so much of overcoming temptation, because I often cite this, Jim, Hebrews 12, 1 and 2 says, um, seeing we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset mm-hmm. us, and let us run with patience the race set before us. Okay. Besetting sin, I mean, because we're, we're an amalgam of a lot of things, our personality, our experiences, our emotion, the blessings we've enjoyed, maybe the trials that we've been through. Um, and this is going to probably sound so mundane, but um, I, I spent a lot of my adult life just paranoid of running out of money. Um, I grew up in a house that we had all kind of financial problems, always did. The bank came one day to put us out. And my dad went down the road and for 30 days borrowed some money from a friend. But I remember the day my mother was crying and the bank was evicting us from our house. And mom and dad sold off the antiques and mm. the family heirlooms and we slept on the floor in an empty house. And all I knew was my mother was all upset. Well, I just became convinced that I was going to die broke and indigent on the street. And Angie and I were newlyweds. And I mean, I was like, you know, constantly reaching under the car seats and the sofa cushions to find a penny, Mm -hmm. you know, and um, I was just knew we were going to die broke. And Angie used to say to me, you're going to have to stop being afraid and trust God. All right. Now, I know that might not be as grievous a sin as, um, you know, robbing a bank or something, but my heart wasn't trusting God. That was fear and paranoia was a besetting sin, Mm -hmm. and I had to confess it. Now, here's my point. Regardless of what you're dealing with, what you feed, the the dog you feed will be the dog that's got the dominance. If you feed your soul and feed your spirit and you trust Jesus, you're going to get stronger in that realm. If you obsess about your fetishes or paranoia or whatever, that's going to be strong. What you feed is what you're going to get. And I think the key to overcoming temptation, and let me say, uh, friends listening, you know what your weak spots are. Mm-hmm. Only you and the Lord. But if you feed your soul, you will find yourself one day you'll look up and you'll say, you know, that doesn't even really even tempt me anymore because mm. that's n- not who I am anymore. Victory. Amen. It's called victory. This is Exploring the Word on American Family Radio. Alex McFarland, Jim Stanley, and Bert Harper. We'll be back with more straight ahead. to Exploring the Word on American Family Radio. You know, in the last segment, we were talking about temptation. This is Exploring the Word on AFR. Jim Stanley, 
with Dr. Alex McFarland and Brother Bert Harper. And guys, I had a, a scripture that I wanted to share there, and it's from 1 Corinthians, the 10th chapter. And normally, I start with verse 13 when we talk about temptation and the fact that being tempted is not a sin. Mm-hmm. And you were talking about knowing your weak points. I think sometimes we have to know, know our strong points, too, because once we think we have arrived somewhere, we're, we're de- we are not necessarily destined, but we certainly set ourselves up for a fall. And that's what verse 12 says. Therefore, let him who thinks he, ha- he stands take heed lest he fall. And then verse 13, no temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you're able, but with the temptation will also make the way of escape that you may be able to bear it. Mm -hmm. So that reinforces that temptation is not a sin. One other thing that that verse alludes to is that temptation is chasing you. Yeah. All the time. You know, and and it's not hard to believe. I mean, you look at the world we live in. Temptation surrounds us. You know, uh be it the uh, a soda commercial, mm-hmm. you know, or be it a commercial for a hotel or whatever. There are things that are chasing us all the time. And we have to be careful because just when we think we've gotten past that we can resist that one temptation, guess what? We stumble and we fall. But God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation will also make the way of escape that you may be able to bear it. Mm -hmm. So it goes back kind of to what we've talked about all afternoon, being steadfast in the gospel, knowing which scriptures apply to that temptation to help fight it off, and knowing that God has already made the way that we could bear it. Why? Because if we look back to Matthew, where Jesus invites us to take his yoke upon us, you know, he is sharing that yoke. So he's there with us helping to resist that temptation. Does that sound plausible? Amen, brother. Listen, Jesus overcame the temptation he had with Scripture. He did. So the Word of God is our offensive weapon when mm-hmm. we put on the armor of God that we may what be able to resist the fiery darts of the evil one. Amen. So he is throwing them at us. There's fear. There's anger. There's temptation in those areas. But we can fight them off, and with the sword of the Spirit, we can defeat the enemy. Use mm-hmm. the Word of God wisely. That doesn't mean with haughtiness. Let me just share this with you. I think the issue that you was talking about, thinking yourself to be strong when you're mm-hmm. not, is the issue of pride. Mm-hmm. God, okay, sin is sin, but I do believe there's one sin that's worse than any other, and I believe it is pride. That mm. That's the first sin that's ever committed that we know of, and that was when Satan himself said, I will be like the Most High. Mm-hmm. And God, it says this, now listen to this, God resists the proud, that means he pushes them away. Right. So if we get to thinking of ourselves more highly than we ought, brother, you, you're you're setting yourself up for for temptation. You're setting yourself up for for God's discipline. You, man, you better humble yourself in the sight of God, and He will lift you up. Don't lift yourself up. Mm-hmm. Don't toot your own horn. Sure. 
we can't be prideful because um, I hate to get philosophical on you, uh, but here goes. Um, scholars use a couple of words about God and his nature. God is wise and omniscient. He knows all things. He's omnipotent, has all the power. God is omnibenevolent. He is all good and righteous. Okay. God's characteristics are inherent. It's who he is. God is love. But scholars say everything we have is derivative. We we derive it. Now, in 1 Corinthians 4, Paul says this, what do you have that you did not receive? And the fact is, Nothing. We really don't have anything except sin and guilt. Look, if let's say you have great musical talent. Well, it was the Lord that gave it to you. Let's say you've got wealth and you've made money and you can do things. Well, it is God that giveth thee power to get wealth. If I can invoke a name, he just passed away, Rush Limbaugh. Mm. Do you remember what he used to always say? But it really was a profound talent on loan from God. Talent on loan from God. There, there's a hymn, um, and there's this line, Jim, you're very musical, but it says, uh, um, it might be joyful, joyful, we adore thee, but it says, all who borrow life from thee are thine. Mm-hmm. If we even have life, it was lent to us from God. That's why we can't be prideful, because whatever we have, whoever we are, our skills, our if you're handsome or if you're beautiful or if you're talented, it's just because the good Lord lent it to you. Man, I hit the trifecta. Yeah. I'm all three of those things. You are. Oh, wait, you no, that, I'm sorry. I want to throw in just a simple story. I love this story, and I've used it before. There's this little girl. She was an only child, and she didn't go to Sunday school. So her neighbors started picking her up and taking her to Sunday school and then to church. At Sunday school that particular day, they learned to be thankful and even asking the blessing for the food. And she went home. Mom had prepared the food, and Daddy was waiting on her. They came to the table, and the little girl thought she'd put into practice what she'd learned. And she said, I, I want to thank God for the food. And the Daddy reluctantly said, well, go ahead. Mm. And so she did it the way child does. Lord, thank you for the meat. Thank you for the peas. Thank you for the potatoes. Thank you for the ice. Thank you for the tea, you know, the bread. Yeah. And after it was over, she said, in Jesus' name, amen. The father thought she, he would teach her something. And he said, Honey, I know you learned that, but let me tell you the truth. I worked hard to do some of this. Some of this is from the garden. Your mama put it up, and now she's cooked it, and the rest she's bought at the store, and and she's the one that prepared it. Said, uh, said that's who prepared this food. And the little girl bowed her head and says, God, thank you for mommy and daddy. You know, mm. you can't mm. get away from it. God is the provider. He's, He's the one that source. gives the power to get wealth. He's the one that gives breath right. into our very And we being. shouldn't be prideful because he is our source. He is. Right. I, oh, that's great stuff, guys. All right, so on, on to the next question. You know, sometimes you hate to leave these behind because it's, it's almost, again, like they, the answers, once we've started the conversation, it just seems like, Oh, but wait, there's one more thing. Oh, wait, there's one. So maybe what we need to do in the when we look at some of this going forward, and we've done this before, where we take a question and we take that and it's almost like we used to do on the chalkboard in school. For those of you that don't know what a chalkboard is, <laughs> I apologize. But, you know, when you would do the diagram of the sentences and you would break uh-huh. down the nouns and the adjectives and all of that, 
sometime we need to take uh, maybe just one or two of these questions and really break down and give the scriptures and give the different things that that go about that. And uh, but for what we've done today, you know, it really is because we could say more about that as we get into the truth of God and what it means for God to be true. And why is God true? And why are we eligible for that? You know, there are just more and more things. But we're going to go on to the next question, lest I start to preach. (laughs) Come on. Do you ever – oh, no, we just did that one. My bad. That's when you get in the trifocals, you know, you keep losing. Listen, I know. So this is a hard world that we live in. We get that. We know that there's – the pandemic that continues. We know we're coming into flu season where people are, you know, have the, may get ill from the flu. We have thousands, hundreds of thousands of people get that every year. We look at how the economy is. We look at how even the price of gas, which also impacts the economy, has continued to go up. So we look at all those things and we think about that But then we come back to our basic life. We live in a hard world. Things have happened to us in our past that have scarred us. And and I say that, um, you know, I think of, of people, children who have been sexually abused. I think of parents who have had abortions, um, you know, and all of this. How do we not only forgive those who hurt us, but how do we get past the guilt and the ability that we need to be able to forgive ourselves. Mm, wow. Yeah, you saved the best for last there, Jim. <laughs> uh, listen, when it comes, I, I want to make one statement, forgiving ourselves, and I understand that statement. I do not believe you can forgive yourself until you've understood God has forgiven you. Yeah. And you live in that. You, I'm, I'm answering it backward. I understand. I, you understand what I'm doing. But I, I really believe that forgiving myself, you remember what Jesus, uh, they asked, who can forgive sin but, but God? Mark chapter 2. Exactly. And there's some truth. So I receive that forgiveness. Therefore, I walk in. Now, I know it's we're, we're playing on words, and I understand that. But I really believe once you understand that God has forgiven you, who in the world am I yeah. to not receive it and not walk in it? And uh, that's that's what you do, and and you know what um, Romans says. I believe it's Romans chapter eight. Uh, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. No condemnation. It's one thing to forgive somebody else, but I think as we understand who we are in Christ, and He has blotted out the handwriting that was against us. Praise the Lord. We have to give ourselves permission. To feel okay, yeah. Not not because we deserved it, didn't earn it, but in Jesus, we we can tell ourselves, look, based on Scripture, not emotion or not circumstance, but if we take God at His word, then I am forgiven. I'm a new man in Christ. Uh, my name is written in high places. I'm a child of the King. He'll never leave me or forsake me. And I think we have to see ourselves as Christ sees us. We've got to take God at his word. And he says, born-again believer, you're okay. You're in me. And then we've got to, with God's help and habits, 
we establish a habit and it'll become natural to us. We've got to give ourselves permission to be okay with mm-hmm. who we are by virtue of the fact that we're we're in the Son of God. We're in Jesus now. Now, I want to tell you, on that other part, yeah. forgiving those that have done wrong, honestly, I can say this uh, as a parent. Uh, I I really don't know anyone that I hold grudge against at this point in my life. But don't mess with my kids and my grandkids. Mm. I, that mm. that I ha- you understand. Uh, I, I let me go around this in a positive way. I love sports and I love playing. I man, we were state champions on the basketball team, and I thought that's as good as it gets until I saw my sons playing. Uh, scoring a winning point or, you know, uh, hitting the winning run and them coming around the bases. And I always thought, man, doesn't get any better than winning. Watching your children, I have, you remember what the, says, I have no greater joy than my children walk in the faith. Mm. Yeah. Now, you yeah. catch that? The greatest joy. And there's so much in that that is real. I, I you know, I'm not sure I'm an expert you guys and forgiving others that have forgiven me, I, I think and dwell there to forgive those your loved ones. That's something that, uh, brother, I, I that's as great. That's reason and, well, God the Father forgiven exactly. us because of what we did we, to Jesus Christ on the cross. Yeah, what loves all I got to say. What love? Exactly. I mean, if we both are very blessed in that all three of us have great wives. And 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 I've often thought, you know, if something ever happened to Angie, you know, I would be destroyed, right? But we think about if someone harmed our kids or harmed our spouse, but yet we nailed the Son of God to a cross, mm. and the Father says, "I forgive you." And even Jesus from the cross, and this I've I've pondered this from the cross. Jesus said, "Father, forgive them; they know not what they do." And I think the way we forgive people, to the original question, Jim, if we understand the grace that the good Lord has extended to us, I love how Ephesians one says, "To us, word, mm-hmm. He's poured His grace on us," and we think God loves me in spite of my sin. God loves us in spite of the fact that it was my guilt that was responsible for the death of the Son of God. Who am I to hold ought against anybody when a holy God has forgiven me? That's, you know, what, that's what I think about. Bert has looked has up to. some scripture. Well, I, I heard the play, pages. It did. Flipping. I know. I, this, this microphone picks up everything. I've oh, no, that, that wasn't a complaint. Yeah, but listen, it pleased the Father to bruise the sun. Mm. I have, <clears throat> I hadn't got my mind around that yet. It pleased the Father to bruise his son. Now, guys, why? And Jesus said, for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. We just got to come to the place. And again, I, I'm no expert in knowing. I'm just sharing the word of God. Enduring. Some things are endured. They're not to be enjoyed. Yeah. Paul said, as a good warrior of Jesus Christ, he's writing to Timothy, endure. And that's, guys, some things in the Christian life, 
we've got a friend that stays with us, but it can be mighty rough Amen. while we're going through some of that stuff, can't we? Can it? Well, sure can. If God could love me, then what an honor it is to love others. Moreover, brethren, I declare to you the gospel which I preached to you, which also you received, and in which you stand, by which also you are saved, if you hold fast that word which I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. 1 Corinthians 15, 1 through 2. This has been Exploring the Word on American Family Radio. Thanks for listening.